Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Good morning. Y'all look good. Look like maybe you're ready to break some records today. Uh, when Pastor Rich invited me to come back, I was thrilled. Um, I, I will say this. Um, I always say, I'll find something nice to say, but I'll never lie. Um, Pastor, y'all be in here, you're lucky, you're blessed, whichever spectrum of King James you want to use. Um, Pastor Rich is the real deal. I was watching his message last week, and this was my thought. You look at a room like this and online, the different campuses, and you know he's a good leader. You listen to him preach and you know he's a good communicator, but I, I listened and I'm like, that's a shepherd. That's a shepherd's heart. That's somebody that cares deeply about what's happening in the lives of people in the room, and so it is an honor to share um, some space with you as my friend. Now that being said, I've got some issues um, <laughs> with the great state of Iowa. Uh, and, and hold it, hold up, I got invited. Um, Last time that I was here, I said that I have a complicated relationship with this state because I grew up in Wisconsin. And, oh, come on now, hold up. <laughs> and I proceeded to communicate clearly and truthfully that your football team is not an offensive juggernaut, and yet you always find a way to beat the Badgers. <laughs> now, I've made my peace. We have Lucas Van Ness, baby Hercules, who may or may not have had a significant sack in a playoff game against a team from Texas, but again, that's another whole thing. Um, but then this week, this week, as I come here, I realized, you know what? You did it to me again. Your men's basketball team hadn't had a quad one win all year, and you beat the Badgers. <laughs> I'm gonna try not to take it personal because we have some things in common. Everybody loves Kat Caitlin Clark. Uh, I mean, the world is cheering for her. I'm not kidding you. Y'all think she's just your person. She's like everybody's person now. Uh, and uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have the women's Big Ten tourney up in Minneapolis, where I'm from. I live over north up there. And um, up until this year, the largest attended women's Big Ten tourney was 47,000. I think it was last year. This year, it sold out at 109,000 people. <laughs> Look at you. Oh, y'all clap now, huh? You clap for your girl, Caitlin, all right? The Caitlin effect. Uh, I am extremely honored to be able to, especially on Kingdom Builders, to say thank you for your generosity, for many of you sacrificial giving. Uh, because the stories, the, the video, the voices that you heard, the images that you saw, some of the stories we'll tell, these are our stories. We are literally a pass-through uh, obediently following the invitation to be a part of something bigger. And I love Kingdom Builders because I need to be reminded that Kingdom Builders is not just what we can do for other people, but what happens inside of us. There is something that happens inside of us when we're reminded that we are a part of something bigger, that we get to make our mark because God invites us into it. And I, I have to do that because if I'm honest, often life gets busy and I have my head up my proverbial, well, the King James is, I'll just say, 
because I get busy, because I have five kids, and because there's a job, and because there's finances, and because we're about to roll into a political cycle, and because of all of these things that I can start focusing on my own belly button and navel-gazing in my own, and, and the invitation is to look up and to see what God is doing around the world. And while some of those images and some of these stories will be traumatic, please know that the overarching theme is that God is doing stuff that we are not without hope, but there is incredible things that we get to be a part of, and in your own lives, the invitation is the same. And so we work venture in the tough places, and we define those tough places by three uns that you saw in the video, unsafe, unreached, and under-resourced, unsafe. We serve in parts of the world where there's the longest ongoing civil war, which has caused a global refugee crisis, as well as ethnic genocide, and we come alongside of those people. We serve in communities where up to 95% of the girls are being trafficked. And I have to pause there because everybody responds to that phrase a little bit different, and I'm gonna go PG-13 for just one moment. When a young girl in the areas where we serve, when we talk about trafficking, we're talking about pimps that come and purchase girls when they're in utero, when a mom finds out that she's having a girl and then they come back at age eight, nine, 10. And when they take them, they are going to be systematically abused 20 and 30 times a day. And so we come alongside of those places because there are parts of this book that tell us to pay attention to the marginalized. We serve in countries where it is so closed that it's illegal to meet in groups more than nine people because they want to suppress thought and freedom and religious expression. So dangerous that right now as I speak, we have 11 of our partners that are currently imprisoned. So these are the tough places. This is the unsafe, but then also unreached because we are invited to share a good gospel. And so we target places where there's less than 2% what's called gospel witness. It just means out of every 100 people, only two have an understanding that there's a God that's not mad at them, that loves them, that has a design for them. And maybe you are listening here and that's not your reality. God loves you. He has a design for you, for you to thrive, for your family to thrive. And then we serve in under-resourced places. So not only is it some of the most dangerous places and some of the most unreached, but also in those spaces, less than 1% of all Christian giving. So less than $1 out of every dollar globally goes to these places where they need it the most and there's the most amount of people that haven't heard the gospel. And that's where, that's where we want to be. And so to be able to come in to say thank you, I'm saying thankful on this kingdom builder focus because you are a part of responding to these needs. And I recognize we're only one of the great number of orgs that are kind of curated by the leadership here to represent our reflection and our understanding of what Jesus invites us to, orgs like Live Dead and Convoy and, and the focus and the, uh, the impact that you have right here, I'm just gonna say in the greater Johnson County Metroplex, how's that? Um, but because of your generosity, because of churches like yours, because we are invited to be a part of what God is inviting us to do, let me just tell you very quickly, over one year, what we've been able to do since the last time I was here. We've been able to feed 10.7 million meals. That's 30,000 refugees every single day, displaced and dying of hunger. 
We've been able to provide rescue and safety to over 500 girls. So you ladder back to that story, that explanation of what it is. You have to understand that they go from being abused 20 and 30 times a day to having a safe place to live and meals and education, and they're introduced to the hope of the gospel. There's a number there that says 1,700 are counseled. If you can picture with me, we, our partners stand on the border of India and Nepal, and they identify girls that are far too young to be walking unaccompanied across the border, where they're told to meet somebody that will take care of them, but it's a lie. And so we have had over 1,700 conversations just in the last year. We believe in sustainable thriving for families and communities, so we invest in farming, that has affected over 1,400 individuals. This is just one year, 1,200 students with education, feminine hygiene, 12,000 kits, represents more than 12,000 women that have learned how God has made their body. We serve in parts of the world where there is taboo on how women's bodies are made, so much so that they tell them that they, there is a demon or they are cursed, and they kick them out of the village for one week out of every month, and they have to go to tin huts Tin huts where sometimes they are literally eaten by tigers or men come and prey on them. We say that's not okay, and so one of the ways that we address it is by providing training and coming there and saying, this is how God has made your body. It's wonderful, it's beautiful, and while we're doing that, we, we train women to teach their children about how God made their body, and it is radically transforming. So even though you didn't wake up this morning to have a feminine hygiene discussion, what I am telling you is that understanding how God has made their body and empowering women to be who they are created to be, which is powerful, is changing not only families and individuals, but whole communities. And here's what we know. We believe that you don't have to choose. That meeting critical, urgent needs and sharing the hope of the gospel are one in the same assignment as I read this book and as I understand what the heart of the unruly rabbi on the side of the mountain, our Messiah, said is that we respond to both physical and spiritual needs. And so every place that we go, every project, Every area that we are, we not only respond to urgent needs, but we also share the hope of the gospel. In one year, in just one year, our partners have planted more than 4,000 churches, conservatively more than 40,000 people becoming brand new Christ followers. So when I come here and I say, I wanna say thank you on behalf of Venture, partnering with Life Church and Kingdom Builders, it's because, you know what, we're just two or three lines in the publication of all the other orgs and all the other stories, but this is what you are a part of. So if you woke up and you were tired, maybe last night you made some poor decisions or, or you're just kind of wondering what the value of your life is and what you get to be a part of, this is it. This is it. We get to be a part of this is the gospel. Again, I'll, I'll say it one more time. As we head into this new political cycle and everybody is going to try to be right and, and we're going to have all of these different things, this is what we agree on. Sharing the hope of the gospel, the whole person. You know, and I, I, I love for me uh, thinking about kingdom builders because I have to be reminded that the kingdom is big. Sometimes the conversation is, if you don't do your thing, then God can't do his thing, and maybe there is a place for that, but you're not gonna hear that from me. What I hear as I read scripture and as I pray is that the kingdom is big and God is inviting us, is inviting us like we can find, we can be on brand, like our brand can be hope. Our brand can be love. Our brand can be coming alongside of the poor and the oppressed and the marginalized and sharing hope, and I love the bigness of the kingdom. 
And Jesus, in a conversation with a group of people much like this and in the different campuses, is having a conversation in Mark 4, and he's saying, here's what the kingdom looks like, holding in tension this, what does it mean for me? And what does it mean for those around me? You see, Kingdom Builders is not just about if we give money for somebody else, but it's also what happens inside of us. How are we invited in? And he's having this conversation of this is what the kingdom looks like for you and for the world around you. And so we're gonna read in Mark 4. We're gonna start in verse 21. And Jesus gives three pictures. He's good at telling stories and creating visual images. Three pictures for all of us in this moment to understand our role in the kingdom. And in verse 21, he said, and he said to them, do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more and whoever doesn't have what they have will be taken away. And he gives a second picture. He said, and what is this kingdom of God like? He said, a man scatters seed on the ground and night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. And the third picture, he says, and again, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like or what parable or story shall we use to describe it? Well, it's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed on the earth, and yet when it's planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all the garden plants with such a big branches that the birds can perch in the shade. The word of God for the people of God. So Jesus is telling a story, and he's like, I know it can be hard to understand, especially when we're in the daily grind of our, of our life, whether we're in high school or we're just married or we're single or we're at our jobs or we live uh, in one part of town or the other part of town. It can be hard to understand this kingdom and your role in it, so I'm going to give you three pictures, and he starts with the first picture, and it's light. Now, he uses light a lot. Light is throughout scripture, light, lamp, over 200 times in Genesis in the Original creation narrative, the first thing that's created is light all the way to Revelation where it says God is light. There are allusions to light throughout, whether we are talking Psalm 18 or Isaiah 60, Micah 7, where it says God is light, or the Second Testament in Matthew 5, uh, where it says that we are light. In John, it says that Jesus is light. In John 1, and this is one of my favorites, it says, light shines in the darkness, and the dark cannot and will not overcome it. If you're like me and you can only kind of retain like one or two thoughts on any given moment as someone talks at you, which I will attempt not to do, would you just remember this, that light shines in the darkness and darkness cannot overcome what's going on in your life. It cannot for your teenagers, for your finances, for your marriage, for your isolation and loneliness, for your confusion, for the questions that you have, and I promise you, you probably don't have more questions than I do, but in the midst of all of it, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it, there is hope. There is hope. And this is this beautiful story I love that he uses this idea of light because light's something that we can all understand. Whether you're talking a primitive agrarian society and understanding that light helps to make things grow, although we don't really know how, to a highly technological university 
area where we understand medicine and technology, we still understand how important light is, chain reaction, chemical reaction, whether you're a young kid or an old kid, whether you're really smart, whether you're more like Pastor Rich, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but you have a good haircut. Seriously, have you ever? It's so nice. There's probably gonna be a fourth kingdom builders, it's Pastor Rich's haircut bill, but anyway. Um, <laughs> It's a ministry, it's beautiful. Um, <laughs> we can all get light, we get it, kids get it. People get that light does something. It chases out fear, it helps us know where to go, it takes away confusion. Uh, last night, last night I'm in my hotel room and I wake up and I don't know if you have ever wake up and it's dark and you're disoriented and you have to pee, which is King James, don't worry, okay? And you just gotta go, but you're like, where's the light? And you stop, like I'm stumbling over things and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to go so bad. And all of a sudden, bam, I find the light switch and I'm so relieved that I'm not gonna pee my pants. And I go to the bathroom, trust me, this is what Jesus is talking about. He said, that's you, your light. You're helping people that are in crisis that are stumbling around in the dark. This is your role. This is what we get to do. I, this house here, this house of worship is part of a, a movement called evangelicals and that means that we believe and we emphasize that we should be sharing this good news but sometimes that can feel like if we're not careful we turn it into like social media where we have to get into contentious arguments about what we believe. I do not believe Jesus is talking about getting in contentious arguments. I believe that what he's saying is exactly what he said, it's light. This clay pot with oil in it and a wick that shouldn't be under a bushel, no, I'm gonna let it shine. It's up here, the invitation is not for you to be super spiritual and convince somebody into your belief club, the invitation is for you to be light when people are without hope. You get to be that, that's the invitation of this house, that you get to be light. Not for some people who are especially gifted to craft conversations around coffee to get although those are important, but to, be, but to be light. And one of the things that I love about light that I didn't really pay a lot of attention to is there's light that we can see and there's light that we can't see. I read a, a book a couple of years ago, it's one of my favorites, and it is called All the Light We Cannot See. It's a novel about uh, a young woman in Nazi-occupied France. And Early on in the story, you realize that she's blind, and so I'm like, oh, that's a nice title, a little bit kind of on point, all the light you cannot see. Seems a little bit insensitive, but, but it isn't just about that. It is about stuff going on around us and how people can help change and move things towards hope, and, and it also reflects a scientific truth that there is light that we can't see, like gamma rays and radio waves. And I love that picture of it because it, it kind of parlays from us being light to this second picture of soil. Think of this with all the light you cannot see. And it says this, here's what the kingdom of God is like in verse 26. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprout and grows, though he does not know how, all by itself the soil produces grain. And I, okay, so I, I love this because yes, we get to be light. We get to participate in sharing hope, the hope that comes from God, that comes from Jesus. We get to participate in that. But then he's like, okay, here's the second kind of qualifying story. There's stuff that I'm gonna do that y'all can't do. That's basically what Jesus is saying. You can 
put the seed in the ground and hey, if you want to sit there and put a sleeping bag right by it and look at the seed and you know, talk to the seed, yell to the seed, grow, you know, you know that that doesn't do jack. Because the soil, what happens in the soil is its own business. And God's going to do what God's going to do. And so let me tell you this, whatever you're going through, whether you believe that you are in a dark season or a difficult season, I am telling you there is light that you cannot see at work. That darkness cannot overcome. There is light that you cannot see. I love it. I see it with our international partners where they work hard, work hard, work hard, and then all of a sudden there are moments where it's only God. There's a... One of my favorite uh, humans on the planet, his name is Raju. And he has this kind of defiant joy. He's just always happy. He's from one of the lowest castes in Nepal. And, and as a pastor, he has a heart for his entire country of Nepal. And so he has been praying that God would just kind of spark revival in Nepal. So much so that he identified 92 what's called unreached people groups. It just means groups of people that have less than 2% who've heard that there is a God that loves them and has a design for them. And so he's been praying and we have been partnering with him for 15 years or so. But something has happened in the last four or five years we intersected with this program called DMM, Disciple Making Movement, that is like this underground church movement that's happening. The fastest growing church on the globe is in Iran. It's happening in some of the darkest, most difficult places on the planet. And Raju was so moved, he's like, God, would you bless this? And over the last five years, Raju and his folks have been a part of planting more than 14,000 churches. To give context to that, if there are only 11 people in each of those churches, which there are a lot more, that is more people than all of Johnson County. In five years, that's what you're a part of. In places that have never heard the gospel. In fact, we, we tell people about this in Nepal. Seasoned missionaries and lifelong pastors in Nepal, and they just weep. They do not understand. They're like, we have never heard of anything so beautiful. We had a, a baptism of 1,000 people, and then that broke out into a 6,000-person prayer. 6,000 people, and they called it prayer as protest. They tried to shut them down, and they said, you're passionate about your belief, we're passionate about ours. 6,000 people, there is a move happening, and I'm telling you, there are points where there is only God. If you look at this, will you place your family situation in this group? Will you place your finance situation in this picture? This thing that you care so deeply about that you are trying so hard, would you know that the harvest is coming? These are pictures that Jesus uses. This is not like just evangelical 1990s speak. This is right now. This is happening. And, and one of the reasons why I love Kingdom Builders is because we're reminded that this thing is big and beautiful. And Jesus in his picture says, yes, you're light, but I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And then, then he says, let me, let me land the plane. I don't know if he said land the plane. It feels like it would have been over their head. Um, <laughs> He's like, I'm going to give you one more, one more picture. And the picture is a mustard seed. And he says, this mustard seed is the smallest in the garden, but it grows into the biggest plant. It grows to about 20 to 30 feet. And he says, it's so big and strong that lots of birds could come and find shelter. This is the picture of the nations, all different kinds of nations, especially the marginalized, coming and finding refuge in this good, good gospel.
And, and this idea of the mustard seed is, is talked about about four times in scripture. And if we're not careful, it sounds like this, oh, I just gotta give a little bit because a mustard seed's a little bit. But this unruly rabbi, he's not talking about you giving a little bit. What he's saying is whatever you give, I'm gonna do it so much bigger. I'm gonna take it, I'm gonna make it big. It's about a kingdom ratio. It's about the expansive nature of the kingdom. One of the reasons why I love working internationally is because they really do believe that big things can happen. And we see it. We see what starts small. You all investing in the projects that we get to do. We get to partner with people like Hannah. In that picture with Raju, the woman in front is Hannah and she is powerful. She is a prophetic powerhouse and, and Hannah, was one of the girls that Raju first rescued um, and brought to the safe house. I told her story last time that I was here. If you were here, you may remember that Hannah's sister was trafficked and before Hannah's sister was rescued, it's estimated she was abused 20,000 times. Hannah was sold um, to be trafficked. She was conscripted as a child soldier. And so rescue meant a lot to her when our partners came and said, we have a safe house for you. And not only did she go to safety, but she found education in the hope of Jesus. She became the first in her people group to graduate from high school. We brought her to the US so she could share her story and, and there was just such an anointing over her that people were moved. She got offered two full ride scholarships to university. She uh, had two books written about her. She was highlighted on a national news program um, all around the country. She had a lawyer that offered her to become a US citizen. Her redemptive story was so beautiful and yet not done because there was a global pandemic and Hannah was in Nepal and she started asking different questions, not why am I not in the university or why am I not in the big house I was in, but what can I do right here? So she rented an apartment 400 square feet and let 10 other women live with her in 400 square feet. I live with four women. To be clear, women, you are the better sex and the less smelly of the two. Uh, and she started asking the question on how she can help the most vulnerable. And she started an organization called Himalayan Entrepreneurial Resources where she started going from village to village training people in feminine hygiene. She started identifying vulnerable girls and rescuing them. She started telling moms, hey, you don't have to sell your daughters. It was so powerful and moving that uh, over the last several years, more than 60,000 women have been trained in feminine hygiene. And then this year, she was asking God what else she should do. Can you imagine the capacity of somebody that has done all of that? And then she's like, okay, what are we gonna do this year? It's a little bit like when Pastor Rich comes up and says, you might've been generous last year, but what are we gonna do this year, right? What, what does God want us to do? And, she identified 37 girls that were in her situation that had graduated high school but were vulnerable to be re-trafficked and she wanted them to have the opportunity to get whatever education and to provide safety. So she comes up with this dream, she raises her own money for a building for safety for them and all 37 of them get to pick any academic vocation that they want. She's raised it, some are gonna be doctors, pharmacists, baristas, whatever they want to do. And th the beauty to me of somebody, she gave up her full ride scholarship and she is sacrificially doing this, this, this mustard seed that started with some generosity from churches that turned into Raju, 
rescuing Hannah that turns into her doing feminine hygiene that turns into her doing our home that turns into these 37 girls and next year it's gonna double that. This is what we get to be a part of. This is what grows bigger because what started with Hannah is now starting to trickle and impact other people as well like Sarmila. Watch this story. She said, I wanna help as many kids as I can. The mustard seed, just doing what we can, turns into a big tree where the most vulnerable and the furthest out can find hope. The words of the unruly rabbi, Jesus on the side of the mountain said, you're invited into something incredible, this kingdom, which is hard to understand, but gives us these pictures, one of light. Is it incredible? You cannot not see light in Sarmilla. And if I told you her whole story, she has every right to not have any kind of hope or light. The pain, the pain, we just scratched the surface of what she is working through right now because as we all know, trauma doesn't just go like that. Sometimes, yes, most of the time, nope. But Sarmilla's light And she is a picture of what Jesus is talking about, that you are light and darkness cannot overcome it. And God is doing something beautiful and Kingdom Builders is a reminder that all of us get to be a part of something. We get to make our mark through this incredible thing and then the invitation to figure out what our mustard seed is. Hannah's figured out hers, Raju has figured out his, Sarmila has figured out hers. And all of us, not just you, I have to figure it out in 2024. What, is it, what does it mean for me to be a part of this growing tree that offers hope? So I'm gonna invite you all to stand. As Pastor Rich comes up, you don't have to bow your heads, but if you would look at me one more time, would you receive my thanks on behalf of our partners for your generosity and your sacrifice? And then would you hear, as best as we can discern from God's spirit, what his word says, that you are light and that you are invited to be a part of growth and your mustard seed response will bring hope. And so I'll pray the same blessing that has been passed down for generations. I pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you and his face would shine upon you. I pray that he would lift your countenance, that we would be people of light in this season. I pray that you would know that darkness cannot overcome your family or your teenagers or who you see when you look in the mirror. And I pray that God would use this house in this community so that the world may know that he is good. And we pray for the Hawkeyes and records to be broken. Amen.